0: Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome to TV Community. I am Bob Namana, and here with me, as always, is the incredibly righteous Elliot Chibley. Righteous. So each week, like to, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and then some of our very own personal travel experiences. This week is the Travel Bites episode. And we'd like to say that if you have any travel news that you found interesting over the course of the month, and you want us to break it down on this episode, please send it to us either through an Instagram direct message or at the travelersbluepin at com. We will thank you, we'll give you a shout out, and we will enjoy breaking down that piece of news.
1: This month's travel bites are a bunch of different things, and I'll kind of gloss over them pretty quickly before we jump into detail of each one. So first one is about your passport and why you shouldn't put a souvenir in it. We're going to talk about Mount Vesuvius, Venice, and Airbus A380. We're going to talk about chocolate and a little bit about coffee. We're going to talk continuing on this list, air travel and some of the issues it's been having and some of the issues that it will continue to have. We talk about Delta airline security executive, and Amazon, not the jungle, but the retail conglomerate, and then lastly, we're going to get into Uber. So travel tip of the week is sign up for every single airline slash points slash reward system as you book with that company. Track those numbers however you prefer, either through an app that does them all together or each of their individual apps, and when it comes time to use them, you might be surprised by how many of those points actually transfer to different locations, it's very valuable. So before we get started, if you find this podcast entertaining, please consider giving us a review on iTunes or any other podcast platform. And if you love us, we would be forever grateful if you could subscribe or share with friends so that they can subscribe, put up an advertisement anywhere so that other people continue to listen to the show. I'm just kidding about that last part, but not really. Mm-hmm. And we do post all this stuff to our uh, social media handles. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we encourage you to give us feedback or ask us some questions for future episodes or conversations and check out some of the cool things that we offer.
0: How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page. And once you download it, you have it forever and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better.
1: To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one navigation, number two, booking airfare, Number three, blogs, research, and reviews. Number four, itinerary building. And number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to plan efficient trips now and forever. All the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure.
0: Yeah. And now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much, or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at the travelers, at gmail.com or visit our service pages on our website. And we can meet over zoom to discuss the details of your trip.
1: You want to contribute to the podcast. If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel around table discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at the at gmail.com for the monthly travel bites episode. Support us by wearing us go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the travelers blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us, as we interview our guests know that we greatly Value your support as a listener of the show.
0: Okay, so this first article is about the the souvenir stamp that you can get in your passport. Now, if you've visited Machu Picchu, uh, you might be familiar with it. Elliot and I both have the stamp in our passport from there. Elliot, uh, before the show, you had mentioned there's a place in Berlin that they do this.
1: Yeah, Checkpoint Charlie.
0: Checkpoint Charlie, and then we know Antarctica. So, if, so the reason we're talking about this is because a woman from the United States was traveling abroad she had the Machu Picchu stamp in her passport, and as she tried to board a Qatar airline, she was denied for essentially defacing her passport. She then tried to transfer to an emirates, i'm sorry an emirates uh airline i i just i say it that way sometimes I don't know why and she was denied again now, I did not know that this was a problem and that you were actually defacing the passport, but apparently, if you turn to page five, you'll actually see. That you are not authorized to do that, and then it is technically um altering and it's considered mutilation of the passport yep. and you could be denied flying for that reason, which is pretty scary because now I have this stamp in there, as do a lot of people, and I guess at any point in time, if someone sees that, I can not be allowed to fly now, the thing is, for most cases, you're getting it stamped like the united states won't deny me entry when they look at my passport i don't think because i have it
1: it all depends on the location but it, it just yeah. seems like general safe practice as as fun as it would be and nice to have that little souvenir it's probably not for the best um i am a bit fortunate in the sense that my passport just expired so i will be getting a new one mm-hmm. i'll save that and i will not be getting souvenir stamps in the future
0: Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, I think our recommendation is to not do that anymore. I had no idea. And now I I still have a few years left in my passport where I'll have to have my fingers crossed and hope that they don't notice and deny me because of it.
1: Yep. Yeah. So Tina, right. Tina got held up in the airport and Qatar denied her, denied her passport. And then Emirates also denied it. And she ended up having to go to the embassy and get a uh, express passport made. Yep. Yep. Took her a little while though. Yeah. so the next article is one that we've heard too many times Uh, same story, different location, an American tourist fell into Mount Vesuvius he is alive Uh, managed to get out with just some scrapes, bruises but park officials had to get him out he was taking a selfie near the edge after trespassing to get to that edge and he uh, had to have first aid performed on him Uh, he was with two other Americans, two Brits, and one Austrian.
0: Which is, it is the perfect setup for a joke. So yeah, so two Americans, two Brits, and one Australian go to Italy Austrian. uh, Austrian and hike the top of Mount Vesuvius. This guy made several idiotic choices by going in a direction that you are not allowed to go into, by getting too close to the edge, by then trying to take a picture of himself at the edge, by dropping his phone and then trying to retrieve his phone. And then falling into an active volcano. So, this guy did everything that you should not do. He suffered a, as a result. Just completely moronic.
1: Yeah, he for should videos. consider it himself what a sad thing. lucky that he didn't get anything worse.
0: Yeah, you don't have to fall far to hit your head on a rock and be, yep. you know, brain damaged or, or dead, so... Yeah. Anyway, uh, people we we keep seeing these too, and it's always for social media. It's the woman getting Gordon, you know, um, Yosemite
1: Yellowstone, or Yellowstone,
0: Yellowstone, or the woman falling into the sulfur at Yellowstone, or yeah. you know, people falling off a cliff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's
0: we're gonna continue to have these articles. on We
1: are. Travel unfortunately yeah so this next one though is a continuation from some of our venice discussions from earlier this year uh we talked about venice adding potentially turnstiles and now they're looking at adding a fee anywhere from three to ten euros uh which now is actually three to ten dollars um since the euro is the same as the u.s dollar for the first time in a long time but anyway Mm -hmm the city has determined that the 30 to forty thousand tourists that it currently gets on a daily basis is too much and it's doing more harm than good so they're trying to weed out the number of tourists that are entering the city and i think we we're going to see this more and more often i mean you you kind of pointed this out before we started the episode but venice is more of a a theme park now than an actual city
0: yeah it is. And it's not a bad thing. Like it's, it is unfortunate. You wish that you can go to Venice and experience it as a city. But even if you weren't paying this entry fee, to pretend that Venice is still some sort of authentic, historic Italian city is false. Everything about this city now is geared towards tourism. And it is, Everything. it is far beyond being authentic. You can go and you can enjoy the architecture. It's incredibly unique. There's no other city like it with the canal. So this is this is globally unique. The architecture is beautiful and the history is fascinating. So go there with the intention to learn more about that and don't worry about the pizza place. Like the food is not going to blow you away. The The... You're not getting a real, authentic Italian village experience. If you want that, unfortunately, you have to go somewhere else. Yes. To me, this is the this is all they can do to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, other beyond just didn't flat out denying people, this is a way to deter and control how many people come in because it is delicate. That the architecture is delicate. The stone that it sits on is delicate. So yeah. we have to. We have to. And it's sinking. Yeah travel in a way that preserves this for the future and this to me is the best case that you know the best thing we can do um but it is very much now a park like the city itself is a landmark you're not going to see the square within venice as the landmark it is the landmark the actual whole city it's sort of like entering pompeii and having to walk through this entire archaeological park you're now walking through venice as a park and Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is
1: yep next up airbus a380 flew for 14 hours with a hole in its side
0: yeah pretty scary but so they didn't know that the hole was there until they landed uh, and it was just in the what they I said is like the skin of the plane the, the, the outer yeah. layer so it wasn't anything vital nonetheless having a giant hole in the side of your plane is pretty scary i've You know like there's like the little flaps and stuff on the wings yeah that i don't know what any of them do but if one looks loose i'm like oh no no." (laughs) you know why is that thing moving in the wind that way is that supposed to happen
1: oh good yeah Yeah. so the uh, ruptured tire caused by a technical fault ended up poking a little or puncturing a little bit of the skin of the aircraft and it, it didn't damage anything else important like the fuselage the frame or the structure so they did end up uh, fixing it afterwards, but they didn't really realize it, like Bob said, until after they landed.
0: Yeah. Sort of like how D.B. Cooper went down. Have you watched D. B., the D.B. Cooper documentary? I haven't. No. No? All right. So you ha- you, we've talked about it. You need to do that. And then All I right. think we'll, do, we'll just like incorporate it into next month's Bites. It's only like four episodes. Uh, quick documentary. Okay. So it, right, it's really it good. It was, it was a good story. The next one might be the saddest news to come out of news since news existed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is <laughs> – I'm, I'm by no means exaggerating. So <laughs> the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is saying that the cacao coca- the trees, the cacao. producer of chocolate, cacao trees, producer of chocolate may go extinct by 2050. And that's essentially due to uh, the thing known as climate change, where we're seeing increases in temperature, specifically in, these, the, in the region of the equator where these trees grow. They're divas. They need very specific soil conditions, very specific uh, water conditions. And so Humidity, they're not Humidity, altitude, it, all of it. Right. Yeah. And um, I, what, what kind of blew me away was that half of the world's chocolate comes from two countries in Africa. One is very French,
1: Cote d'Ivoire. I think it's I think it's Cote d'Ivoire.
0: Cote d'Ivoire. That sounds more French than the way I said uh, it.
1: Ivory Coast. And then Ghana,
0: right? Okay. Um, pretty sad stuff. I, I and and so there are in uh, corporations trying to do what they can to put a bandaid on this. Uh, specifically, scientists at the University of California in Berkeley are teaming up with Mars, which is the company that produces chocolates like m&ms and snickers and they're actually trying to genetically alter the plant by tweaking its dna using something that elliot knows i've been following for a while called CRISPR gene editing technology it's a really really interesting um uh biotech
1: Mm -hmm. thing uh, that's what they use to create dinosaurs in jurassic park right
0: yes so what could go wrong
1: yeah
0: um yeah, I, it's really sad. Um, I think we're going to see this more and more. Um, I think I think as as climate change heats up, no pun intended, the crops that we get traditionally from these equator areas, these countries along the equator, it's going to be harder and harder to produce them. Maybe mm-hmm. they can continue to move north and produce them in a you know higher.
1: Um, well, I think that's the. I mean, it's not just a logical quick fix like the article kind of. Illustrates, so a lot of the regions that chocolate can be grown, cacao can be grown, are actually protected and are natural reserves in those countries. So they wouldn't be able to just plant them at a slightly higher altitude where the temperature is right and the uh, environment is perfect for it to grow. So I think the solution here is either preserving what we have now trying to reduce the overall impacts of climate change. And one of the things that I think is interesting is we talk a lot about coffee on this show and coffee and cacao grow in very similar environments. And coffee is also at threat of becoming extinct. And there are already, I think, 75 different species of coffee that are almost extinct. And granted, we only use two or three different varietals of coffee, but man, that would be a loss.
0: Yes. Yes, it would. Yeah, we're gonna have everything's gonna be genetically lab grown. You're gonna have your lab grown coffee with your lab grown chocolate and your lab grown meat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna live in bubbles. <laughs> we're gonna be able to breathe in the atmosphere. Okay. Anyway, moving on um, to slightly less depressing news. Air travel seems to be broken right now. How is?
1: Yeah, that's about the same.
0: Just as depressing. So really what, what occurred here is that there was a ripple effect from the COVID-19 pandemic. That is, so when that hit, travel declined or halted. The airlines had to get rid of staff. Some of the pilots, the, the the more tenured pilots were paid off to retire early and they went on their way. And then they let go, you know, a lot of the staff all the way from the pilots down to the people that handle your bags. Travel picked back up. And the airlines were unable to, not were, are still unable to hire to bring their numbers back up to the correct amount of employees to handle the travel as it was during, before the pandemic. So they're not quite ready to handle that amount of travel traffic yeah. within the airports. There was an, and they're it, struggling. As yeah.
1: Was. There was an anticipation of travel bouncing back this quickly, especially right. as it relates to air travel. I think there was some... Speculation that it was going to be mostly ground transportation, staying within your local area, doing little day trips or weekly trips to a nearby city, but air travel has rebounded significantly. It's about 85% uh, pre-pandemic, but airline handling teams are only about 75% or 70% staffed. So, you know, the handlers, um, some of your other staff, they can be trained fairly quickly and be brought on to assist but pilots on the other hand from zero experience to being a commercial pilot is a long time and to get all of their hours in for training their actual flight time it's sometimes three to four years before they can actually fly a commercial airliner
0: that's we're, so we're going to be dealing with, with this for for quite some time delta alone reported um Denying almost twenty four thousand passengers between January and March, that's massive. Yeah. And there's just it, there just simply is not enough. There are not enough seats on the planes and enough staff to help these people travel.
1: Um, it'll and work itself
0: out. It's just going to take some time.
1: It is going to take some time, but a, a lot of airlines are not adding more flights back in. They're not they're, adding more flights, but they're, they're just yeah. keeping them reduced.
0: And their prices are outrageous right now. A, a flight to Europe is about a thousand dollars. Uh, when it normally, you could get it for 500 And then even to switch flights, I ended up getting work done early one day in Boston. And normally, I've always went to the airline. If there was a flight, like if my flight was, was I supposed to leave at 2, but I got to the airport at 12 and they had a flight at 12.30, I would just go up to the desk. Hey, do you mind if I switch to 12.30? And it was never a problem because I didn't have any bags or anything. They tried to charge me $200. Wow. That, I, I've i never been asked to pay for that before. So, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Airline security. Yeah, so this next guy, Rami Yogev, used his position as a security executive to smuggle drugs in and luggage.
0: Yeah, he's getting twelve years now. So more than fifty kilograms of cocaine on a number of flights. He used his ability to just go right through security to do this. He was getting paid like ten grand per suitcase, which is pretty good money. I mean, I don't know. I'd maybe, maybe yeah, yeah.
1: you'd consider it. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: It depends on my situation. So, um, yeah, he, he got caught. I mean, that there's really nothing else on that article that I guess really requires much breaking down. No, it's just interesting. He's value. typically yeah.
1: flying between Johannesburg and Israel. Um, he thought, and when he was interviewed, he thought he was carrying gold.
0: That's what he's saying. That's what that's that's his him denying it. Yes. yes, is saying that. Oh, you know, it wasn't. My, it was my friends. It was my friend's suitcase. Yeah, yeah, doesn't really work. All right. Next one has to do with, as you said, the Amazon, not the jungle, the retail uh, mega corporation. They're going to Europe. They're establishing their very first. Not not that they haven't been selling in Europe, but they're establishing their very first European air hub in Germany.
1: Yep yeah leipzig Hale airport this is really interesting i think because i think it's it's set for them to kind of use this as a bouncing board to do more in europe and leipzig was specifically chosen because it's fairly central to europe and it already has expertise in air freight operations
0: yeah yeah, I mean it makes sense. They are I we they account for forty percent of all the retail in the United States alone, and in no time they'll probably do the same in in throughout Europe. I'm surprised he hasn't pushed for a commercial airline. Like I could totally see Amazon Airlines. Oh, I think they're, they're just going to treat people and, like
1: uh like their uh, boxes. They move. Yeah, they'll just put yeah. them in the air cargo.
0: I want I want like um their their airlines to to have like prime flight so where if i order a flight or if i book a flight from philly to rome i want it to take like two hours i'm on like a prime rate man. yeah once they figure I, that that's out,
1: called the concord yeah <laughs>
0: yeah i don't think Safe. that's coming back yeah okay <laughs> same and, day delivery i <laughs> would i was going to say same day delivery but you can get to it only takes like six hours yeah i know <laughs> so. um uber another mega yeah. transportation um
1: and we're not going to get purpose. into everything in this, but click the link, go through the article if you're interested. There's a lot to break down. And, and it's still unfolding. They're, yeah, they're still, it's still going unfolding. through
0: documents. And so the, the 124,000 documents were leaked to The Guardian by a former high ranking corporate ex- executive at Uber who yep. suddenly had this moral change of heart. Because this dates back to, I believe, 2010. No, it says 2013. So it's it was when Uber was on the rise, and as Uber 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 no as Uber started to expand, they started to hit friction with cab companies and the transportation sector,
1: and just general legislation and general
0: legislation. And so what was happening? The executives and the CEO of Uber was personally flying to cities around the world and lobbying illegally, in some ways for Uber to take root and overtake the cab industry. And this was at the mercy of riots and protests. And they really just went about it in a very illegal way. The names associated with these this, these lobbying, lobbying efforts include Joe Biden, include Emmanuel Macron of France, and several other uh, high-ranking... Um, Individuals in other countries throughout Europe. Yeah, big news. Um, and they and they in the text they're self-incriminating. I mean, they call themselves pirates. They say what they're doing is illegal. So they weren't they weren't um, doing I mean, this unknowingly. Yeah, yeah, and they were pushing for Uber people pro Uber to sort of counter riot and counter protest against the taxis to sort of thrive and, and use the chaos to boost them up and yeah. get them and get uber pushed through.
1: Yeah, and Kalanak was ended up being replaced in 2017. Um, yeah, he had like else. racist comments too. I don't I remember
0: think, what it was. Yeah,
1: like, either that or sexism. I think there was a yeah. lot of a lot of cultural issues within Uber.
0: So he is just not a good person from what I can tell and from, you know, multiple ways, but um what's really kind of annoying and but not surprising is how politics sort of to the hands of this corporation, no—that's not new news in the United States by any means for either political party. But it's just sort of sort of sad, man. That like—I'm
1: surprised at the extent of that it happened internationally. Me like too, they, they made me a too. big effort to get roots.
0: Well, that's where I think they hit the most friction. It seemed to move pretty quickly in the United States, and they didn't really have too much pushback. New York was probably the biggest city with the most pushback because the yellow cab industry was massive and massive there. And so, um, yeah, uh, again, we're not going to go through it all. There's 124,000 documents. And what we understand is that the, those documents were shared by the guardian to all of the other, uh, media agencies. And they're going to now sift through them and come up with their own investigative journalism on what happened and what occurred. So there's a lot of news to come.
1: Yep. So that wraps up the travel bites Our guests this month, our Vinci Ho talking about responsible, impactful, sustainable, and ethical travel. And then we also have Cheryl Engelhart talking about how she composed an album on a cross-country train trip. Very cool conversations. So thank you for listening. Uh, If you love the show and you want to help support our podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and buy me a coffee and contribute to our efforts that way. You can also do so by purchasing some of our merchandise on Redbubble. And just leave us a review on iTunes or any other platform. Share us with your friends and family and your neighbors and tune in next week.